We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 455 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Emil Evanesian. And Emil, unfortunately, yes, yeah, 0-0 against Girona. That's what we're talking about today. And, I mean, we could probably try to make this show about uh, 48 seconds or a minute and a half <laughs> and just say, Bleh, you know, and just yep. be in and out. But I think there's actually some more interesting stuff to talk about and complaints or how serious to actually take the draw and stuff like that. Because... Honestly, having sat on it, having done the five headlines, I'm not that outraged that it was a 0-0 at home against Girona because I think where we begin is with the walking wounded and with the players missing. And as odd as it sounds, I'll let you speak first, but I'm then going to back up my hot take, if you will, that I was more concerned, or not to say more concerned, but I felt like the players who were missing in Christensen, Dembele, Pedri, and Frankie de Jong... I felt like they were their absence was felt larger in Girona than it was in, against Real Madrid in El Clasico. And again, I can back that up, but I'll let you... What did you think of the overall draw first? A little bit um, flat and frustrating in a way that a lot of these performances have been. Many of them have wound up with Barca finding a goal somewhere. And the the fact is that the first half, I... You know, I don't, look, I don't know if it was a scintillating first half performance, but I I was fairly encouraged by the first half and Barca were making, at least controlling the ball and putting on, if not putting on some pressure, at least infiltrating the, the more dangerous parts of the of the pitch. And it was just, I think we were like seven or eight minutes into the second half where I got this kind of creeping sense of dread where I was like, oh my God, like it's just here comes the sort of the sad trombone, you know, it's just now we're just, we're in for a flat second half. And in fact we were, and I don't know. I mean, I think and there were a couple of players who I don't even know if anyone necessarily played well, but you know, there, there were three, four guys who I thought, you know, at least acquitted themselves decently. And we know that Barca were lucky to get out, you know, with the, with the nil nil that they did. It's a, it's a slightly different flavor of the, of the manner of performance we've been seeing virtually all season. So I don't know. I'm not, I, I find it very difficult to get shocked and, you know, shocked and outraged. Also, you know, if you want to dig for silver linings, in spite of this, Barca picked up a point on Real Madrid in the, in the league table this, this weekend. So, you know, there's, yeah. there's that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of a, it was kind of a shrug. It was unfortunate, but I mean, Girona played very well. I mean, they were, they're well coached. They, 
They were they were disciplined. They were aggressive. They were selectively aggressive at at the right times. They even when Barca were playing well, they weren't putting them under immense pressure. So it's it's not like Barca, you know, whiffed on sitter after sitter. I mean, this was a decent team that you know that's well coached and organized, and they they put in a, a solid performance. And I mean, if anything, Girona is probably a little bit annoyed that they didn't come away with three points. Well, yeah, I will say maybe a little addendum to the hot take I had, which I'll explain now, mm-hmm. in that I felt like, yeah, the drop-off from Alonso's performance against Real Madrid to what Christensen would have given you is a bigger yeah. drop-off than the two, I mean, what could have been very costly errors that Eric Garcia made mm-hmm. yesterday against Girona, or where I felt like, yeah, if Christensen's in Girona, Barcelona still get a clean sheet, and that has kind of been the case in the Liga this season. XG and all that stuff says that Barcelona have been very lucky, and looking at Castellanos' miss, yes, I've been very fortunate. And Eric Garcia twice again yesterday, it completely cooked, steps forward. But Barcelona, their defensive, not only luck, but their defensive acumen to be able to make sure that those are the only two opportunities mm-hmm. that the other team has. And then Ter Stegen doing what he's done this season, again, kind of curbing that, XG and saying, okay, well, actually, there's the Ter Stegen factor to also factor in there, especially in the yeah. first half of the season, that Barcelona is able to survive those things. So Christensen, I think, would be the one exception for <laughs> him being re- replacing Alonso for a classic, I think, would have been a different, maybe even a different result. That's how big that would have been. And then, of course, Dembele and Rafinha, we saw that against El Clasico. We saw that again mm-hmm. against Girona. But I think yeah. the reason I say that, too, is because in, we'll say, big matches or big moments in Europe in against Real Madrid, Moments are what it all comes down to. Mm-hmm. Those, those, a header here, a free kick here, or something ball bouncing in a certain way, VAR, something happening, and the like. But when it comes to Liga, and I think this makes it, you know, makes my job a little easier with the five headlines over the years, is that in the Liga you come in with consistency, and that's why Barcelona winning Liga. That's why it's so important consistency. But you come in with a game plan. You come in with your style much more than those big matches. And the big match, it's all about getting the result in any way you can. And in the Liga, it's this is the way we want to play. This is our ideas. Let's try to put those forward against the other team. And Jordan was doing the same thing. And I think yesterday, you could see for Barcelona, I mean, very much like a Clasico, but you could see for Barcelona the difference that Dembele probably would have made. The difference, certainly, that Pedri would have made in that game, that Frankie de Young would have made in that game by substituting those players in. You know, again, I think the argument is that, well, if you put those players in El Clasico, that might be an entirely different result. But I also think that Barcelona might have got a result earlier in El Clasico in that first half if the moments had gone their way. But this game against Girona, it just felt like the team that was playing, and this is the doldrum, this is the, the you know, the, the boring part of that draw yesterday for Barcelona, Barcelona sense, even though it was up and down, end to end, it wasn't boring. But in the same way, that feeling of dread you got was, I think, what all Kool-Aid had, that it was like, wait a second, this game is end-to-end. It feels like there's supposed to be a lot of chances. Barcelona are outshooting their opponent 18-5, to 3-0 to zero on target, and yet it just kind of feels like they're running in mud and they're, just, they're not up to it. It's not, it's not good enough. You know, and I think those players, even if Barcelona had played very listlessly with the better players, that being De Jong and Pedri in the midfield and Dembele on the right, you still get the sense that those three in particular would have gotten you over the line, regardless. Okay, and then the, the one thing I will say about these players too, the other unfortunate bad news related to them, before we really get into who actually did play, is that Dembele, who was originally planned to be ready for the second leg against Manchester United, he now has a return date that is up in the air, bringing questions and concerns about his fitness again, where it felt like it was always put, it was put to bed completely, but it's back again. 
Pedri was supposed to be ready for El Clasico, the one in March. And now he is expected to return for Atletico Madrid after the setback he, he had in mm-hmm. training. Frankie de Young was also going to be ready for El Clasico, but that being the, the Copa del Rey last week. Now mm-hmm. he will in, likely be ready for Hadafe this weekend. Um, and even if he's not ready for Hadafe, it'll be Atletico Madrid. And then Christensen will be ready at the end of the month against Ravarcano. And that was always going to be a few weeks for him. But it really is unfortunate because you have at least three of the four players that we just mentioned have all relapsed in their injuries. And we had a listener question last time you were on, Emil, about yeah. Ricard Pruna and the, the medical staff and putting faith in them. And it certainly is frustrating. But I do think that these injuries are certainly an indictment of the fact that Barcelona only go 12 to 13 players deep that Xavi trusts. And I think that really yeah. does wind up weighing on the players that we're talking about here. You know, we talked about this kind of in relation to to that. And I think to one of the other listener questions that we did, but the reality is that the the top tier sort of world-class level player depth, this version of Barcelona, you know, we'll take Ter Stegen out of it. But, you know, even if you take Ter Stegen, it goes, what, maybe 14, 15 players? And, you know, there just isn't, when you lose four you know, top flight players. I mean, they're, you can either call them, you know, world-class or they would certainly be starting for this team or however you want to, however you want to classify, you know, those four, that, that puts a huge dent in you. I mean, that, that would put a dent in any team. I mean, even the, the PSGs and, you know, Man Cities and the ultra deep teams of the world, you know, they would feel that. And Barca just simply don't have the, the top tier depth that for instance, a Man City does or, or anyone like that. And then I think, um, and it also, a little bit of that, that even extends to the guys that are there. So, I mean, you see, you know, whether now it appears that Lewandowski is playing through through pain or, or injury. And, you know, I personally, I thought, and you know, this is hardly a hot take, but, you know, for the first half, at least, I thought, you know, Ansu, played, Ansu looked good, you know, for, for a good good chunk of the first half yesterday. But other than that, the the four primary attacking players being him, Lewandowski, Rafinha and Ferran Torres, I don't know, made virtually no impact. I mean, it was, they, they you know, they, they posed minimal threat. I mean, Rafinha a couple of times threatened to get into a decent position and then endeavored to not really do so. <laughs> uh, but so you kind of see that the, the depth, uh, it's not even the guys that are out, but you have players, you know, it would be nice to give Lewandowski a bit of a break if you had a, a legitimate number nine yeah, and and where you also don't have to steal from the depth that you know that you don't really have at the other. Yeah, and I will positions. mention that we are going to be focusing heavily on wing play on the mm-hmm. second show this week. So um, especially with Finia, I'm actually going to kick the can down the road on that. We're not really going to go into what we saw or lack of the, lack thereof against <laughs> Corona for Rafinha, but I will focus on Lewandowski here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now 
and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Because even though we will talk about a bit about him on Thursday with the wing play in mm-hmm. relation to that. So he has this back injury. And apparently, even in training, he's wearing this, this, this back belt. That and he's been limited in training in the last week, and so those are the, the basically those what came out afterwards. It's one of those yeah. you know LeBron James like oh he actually was playing with one foot <laughs> missing yeah, and you know in the whole playoff or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> working with playoffs or well it was actually his hand right it was his hand. that was yeah. all back <laughs> Warriors years yeah yep. but anyway yeah so he's so, but yeah but Lewandowski that now not saying it makes a lot more sense but it does make sense that this 34 year old is dealing with a back injury and that has hampered his ability especially to hold up play, which was never really his game, but mm-hmm. it has been subpar in the last few months. So we don't yeah. know where and when that injury really did begin to occur. could be a long time coming, but also could have been a week or two, which doesn't really explain prior to. But what's interesting about Lewandowski is I think we're already beginning this referendum on the choice to spend as much as the club did to Bayern Munich on Lewandowski. Because I think there was an argument being made with him in the spring here and with him in Europe that what was he bought for? If he was bought for those European nights, for El Clasico, for Bayern Munich, if he was bought for those matches, and obviously, this is obviously a terrifying transfer because not only did he not do it this year in the year one of his contract, but he now has an additional three years on this contract to not only age, but if again, if this is who he is, then you're in trouble, locked in for 20 or 21 million euros every season. And he will be if De Jong is able to renegotiate. And, and Busquets is off the books, and Alba renegotiates, Lewandowski then next season becomes the highest paid player on the team. And again, if he's not getting you those European goals, then you've got an issue. Now, if Messi comes back, you have a whole thing about which guy is supposed to be the one that's scoring those European goals. But the other counter-argument to that immediately is that if he was bought to A, win you La Liga, and to get a trophy, because remember, setting the expectations into this season, that if the goal was to get a trophy, Lewandowski scored enough goals. Ter Stegen and Araujo and Kunde and Christensen made enough stops. Balde increased his play enough, as did Gabi. Pedri was good enough on the field for long enough. The same thing with Dembele before they got injured. And Frankie de Jong found his way into the team for a long enough time. And Busquets kept his level high enough that you were able to win the Liga. And those were the really important foundational parts of why Barcelona won the Liga this season. So if that's why you bought him, to also take off pressure from onto and fair because imagine if Lewandowski wasn't bought the pressure that would exist on not only onto and fair on Torres and then Demolay for getting hurt again and Rafinha but also from Pedri for his lack of assist this year or because again I'm not I'm not saying what, what I don't care about Pedri's assist I'm, I'm saying that I'm saying that what he gives you offensively again is sorely missed in the time that he's been gone and he's been Barcelona's most important midfielder this season I'm I'm devout to that idea but same thing with Gabi, his offensive output would be in complete question because of that box midfield four saying, okay, if you're going to start him on the left wing 
and you're not getting any offensive production from that in terms of like final goal contributions, you say the same on the other side with Rafinha that at least all the guy does, he doesn't do much else, but at least it gives you something in usually in goal contributions. But in the case of Lewandowski, if he was bought for those reasons to take off pressure, to be a leader in the locker room, because we talk about his professionalism and we weren't just trying to gas people up. He does change cultures. So this team changed their culture to be consistent enough to show up enough times that looks like they're going to win the Liga. And if that's what he was bought for, then it was a success. And I think the, the great soccer podcaster, Total, uh, Total Soccer Show's Daryl Grove, you know, rest in peace to him, said, you know, things can be two things. And I love that saying. I'll always say, and especially in the sport of football, things can be two things is, is such an important and powerful thing to consider because Lewandowski, things can be two things. If you consider his transfer in one way, of course, it is an abject failure because of the high expectation that Barcelona has in Europe and in, I mean, in what they have for him from game to game. But if the point of Lewandowski was to raise your professionalism and win some trophies and score your goals to win the Liga, then of course, 100%, it has been a success. And you have to keep both those things in your mind. I agree in the sense. And it is two things. Because also before Lewandowski came to Barcelona, you know, before he was approaching his mid-30s and, you know, when he was in his in his peak prime, the... I don't want to say criticism, but I guess it is maybe that a little bit. But the notion that he will score you a boatload of goals. I mean, he's essentially in at Bayern Munich. It was, you know, wasn't there the the sense that he will score you an absolute boatload of goals and win you the league, but he hadn't turned in a signature Champions League performance for, for Bayern. And yeah, it even extends, and I understand. You know, the the Polish national team at the at the World Cup isn't. You know, they're not world beaters. They're not expected to to light up the scoreboard. But you know, when you take the when you take the pitch with, you know, particularly not even this past year, but four years ago, the consensus number one, number two, number nine on earth. He not only you know hadn't scored in a World Cup for them. Like it just, I remember watching the. I wound up watching all of their games in the in the Russia World Cup he didn't particularly threaten. I mean, it was one of those things where the the biggest superstar on the Polish team was largely missing. Now, maybe it was a question of service or this or that, but whatever it's been, before Lewandowski even got here, the the one thing, the, the knock, if you wanted to say that, was he's not the guy who's going to take a Champions League semifinal or take the Champions League final by the neck and absolutely just mm-hmm. make it his own. He is a consistently he he's consistently excellent and that's been his thing and he's consistently great but he'll just do it against he'll do it from week to week it you know he doesn't necessarily have the gear on against a particular opponent or on a particular stage so there had to be at least a little bit of an awareness of that in his in his track record and in, in his in his history i mean by and large i mean i think he his arrival has been a success because also i think barcelona needed and coming off of everything, the the ongoing financial crisis and the the departure of Messi and and all of this, they they needed a name brand superstar and you know a, a new name brand superstar to choose Barcelona. And I don't mean even necessarily an up and coming excellent young player, mm. like one of the guys, like someone that one of the whatever ten or fifteen most most recognizable names in in the sport. And so he he delivered that. There was a you know, I think he might have reinforced the, I don't want to say legitimacy, but kind of reinforced the, I guess maybe the, the legitimacy of Barca as a as a destination for superstars right now until yeah. 
until the balance sheet is shored up. And, you know, and yes, he scored enough to, to take the league back from Real Madrid, which had to have been one of the, the top objectives this season, because I, I really don't imagine, you know, if you, if you put truth serum in people, I can't imagine many at the club were genuinely expecting a, even a quarterfinal run in the Champions League, let alone, you know, semis or the final. Like the, the Champions League wasn't lifting the Champions League trophy or even playing for it in the final wasn't legitimately an expectation. I mean, it, it, it shouldn't have been. And so, yeah, I mean, what I, I think Barcelona has gotten, if you want to say the, the transfer fee and this year's, this year's salary, I think that's, that's fine. I, I feel like they've gotten what they paid for. If, if his back is starting to go and all that lies ahead of us is his mid thirties and kind of the, the inflection point where the mid thirties turned into the late thirties and you're paying him 20 million a year, that's going to be a problem. And yeah, I, mean, I don't, then I don't know what you do with that. Well, I think just focusing strictly on Girona, yesterday mm-hmm. I said on five headlines, I want to think about whether or not we're going to not blame, but put some kind of onus on the individual in Lewandowski, or if I'm kind of, again, trying to have a referendum on the function mm-hmm. and how you get the best out of Lewandowski. And what I landed on thinking about that match more and more was that functionally, as I kept saying about the personnel that was missing, particularly Pedri and Dembele, without mm. those two, the expectations for Lewandowski and who he is, is kind of, not to say redundant, but I don't know how he succeeds because he is right. not a link-up. He needs service. He's a number nine in the box, and he's going to be able to get off shots in, in, in short mm. spaces. I mean, even at the end of the game, when Araujo plunges forward and gets into the box, gets that whatever it was off, and then Lewandowski is able to try that back heel. Like a little back heel thing, yeah. Right. I mean, even at that point, right, that's the kind of service that he just wasn't receiving all game long. And that goes yeah. on the responsibility of the wingers. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to, to ruin Thursday's conversation too early. But yeah, it's really significant that Balde was Barcelona's best winger early in yeah. the game. And then Alba coming onto the left wing, you know, you, I'll give you a chance to talk about the substitution in a second, but, you know, people weren't over the moon about it, but then functionally for Lewandowski, it made sense. It basically was Xavi putting on Jordi Alba to hope that Lewandowski got a goal. Like, regardless of the way the rest of the team was functioning, that was why that sub was made, because he can deliver a final ball in for Lewandowski. Because it is true, like, in your midfield, if you're going to start, especially the way that game was played, it's not a low block. So it was Girona willing to press and defend, and Barcelona doing very much the same thing on the other side. So two teams are willing to press high, that we're going to work hard uh, to get the ball back and try to counter press and things like that. And those games don't necessarily, and they haven't really necessarily suited Lewandowski, which is a big reason why the counter pressing by top European side is something that seems to nullify a lot of what he can do when the personnel around him isn't at its, its top tier class. Like again, if Pedri is out for those games, if Dembele is missing for those games, because that's not who Gabi is yet. And that's fine. I always say that's fine. I thought Roberto was fairly taken off at halftime. It's one of those things where I think it is kind of brave for Xavi to take a, a, cap, a captain off at halftime. But Roberto was the worst player on that field of the 22 players on there. And he had to come off the field because functionally, you were getting nothing, no service forward from him. You weren't getting any diagonal balls. He was just kind of running around behind the play. I mean, he was, if anything, he was better against Real Madrid and he, he stunk the joint up against Real Madrid. So, but I, I thought he was, he, he was somehow better against them. And the fact that Kessie didn't even start that, the, the game against Girona, I mean, that could have been a bit of fitness thing. And the plan was always to bring him in in the, ha- the second half. But yeah, I think performance-wise, he's pulled. It didn't really make sense. 
and I get the sense I said in the front headlines yesterday that unfortunately, if I'm Barcelona, I would keep even even though he's on minuscule wages and Roberto's a depth piece, I would keep either Kessie or Roberto and not both. I would pick between the two and I say, hey, if we need what should be next season, your fifth midfielder, because you really are going to be going, that being Barcelona, going all in on Gundogan and try to bring him in. So we're also renewing Busquets and there's no replacement coming for him this season. Nico is probably gone. But again, you only are saying we only need a backup, a fifth, right? It's a fifth or sixth. Yeah, I mean, and then yeah, so if we say what Busquets, De Jong, Pedri, uh, Gabi, whoever it may be, Kessie, or or, or then Gundogan, if again, if you're bringing in somebody else. Yeah. So now you're immediately talking sixth already. Yeah. And again, who knows what Elas Garrido, can he take a step forward to the 20 old or whatever it have you. But yep. the point is about Lewandowski, he was getting no service in the midfield yeah. whatsoever. And even in that game for Busquets, I mean, it, it befit the game for the personnel against Barcelona because at home, you should say it doesn't matter the way the other team is playing. You just have to inflict your will. And so my frustration is that Barca could not inflict their will. And they kind of, they, they allowed Girona to convince them to play their own game, which did not support the personnel they had. In that yeah. Busquets, we know, don't make it a track meet with Busquets. I mean, I thought he did an admirable job yesterday with ball recoveries. And yeah. he was fine. But also Busquets then offensively in an end-to-end game like that, the best thing he does is what he still does in elite level more than almost anybody in the world. And that is deliver those long balls. It just in quick succession, just incredibly out to the wings. And that, that puts in all the responsibility on the winger in Rafinha to yes. find a way to get it to Lewandowski. And that was not happening. And yeah. so Busquets is not getting the ball because Lewandowski can't run in those half spaces in behind, especially with the back injury. He just doesn't have the foot speed. Maybe he doesn't at all, but I'm saying with the back injury yeah. in particular, he cannot turn and, and beat a center back in a sprint with that long ball over the top from Busquets. It's just not happening, especially with the fullbacks being able to pin in the way that, that Girona was doing it. They were, they were setting up yep. when Barcelona had possession to be able to bring those, those fullbacks in. That's why Arnaud Martinez kept inverting. And I'll talk yep. about that in a second. But yep. you know, if you're not going to have Lewandowski running in behind, that means Rafinha, you've got to figure out how to get to the ball to Lewandowski. Uh, and then Ansu the same way. Ansu kept trying to drop in, but Ansu wasn't really running in the middle channel. Instead, Lewandowski was, but it was, again, going to be unsuccessful because of the distance that he had to go yeah. to try to drop into those long balls. Even Busquets, the one long ball that almost worked out was the one to Rafinha when Rafinha yeah. finally got in behind. So I, I do think that Girona, by playing up and down game against a midfield trio of Roberto and Gabi and Busquets, kind of nullified you know, those lines. Because if Barcelona cannot keep everything compact, not even now, they want to be wide, but they want to be compact vertically. And if they're going to be stretched out because the game is end-to-end, that means Lewandowski is not going to get any proper service whatsoever, and he becomes completely ineffective. So where I did land on that from the five headlines yesterday is that Girona played the way that supported them more than the way it supported Barcelona. I thought Michelle did a great job with that, and that made Lewandowski completely ineffective because, I mean, Rafinha really did. I, I, I don't even know the proper word. In, in my, 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 uh, my Filipino mother-in-law says caca, and that is what it was. He just caca'd all over himself in front of the camera, yeah. <laughs> and that was a big problem. The the point that you make about Lewandowski, and it, I do think it's right to, while pointing out that when he has an an ineffective or even ineffectual performance, that all of the blame doesn't fall on him. Because I don't think there's any, I mean, there, there's never been anything, you know, there's no reason to question his, I don't know, his dedication, his, his work ethic, his fit, you know, his actual physical yeah. fitness and anything like that. I mean, the, the guys out there, he... He shows up every game. He is clearly playing hard. He's 
he's trying, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't, I, at no point have I watched a game where he's had minimal impact and felt like he's mailed in the effort. But yeah, I mean, it's, but the thing is, he is such a central figure in the attack of this team that, like you said, when it's not structured correctly, it's your most significant, I mean, your literal leading goal scorer and the essentially what is the fulcrum of your of your front line winds up essentially becoming anonymous. And yeah, it's not his, I, I don't think it's his fault, but I do think that maybe he never had that foot speed, you know, to make some of those runs that you were referencing before, or, you know, when I say never, never as a member of Barcelona, but there was enough. And I understand the, the midfield was a much more, much more robust place with Pedri and De Jong and, and everyone there. And Dembele was around, but there was a formula. He was, he scored all of those goals prior to the world cup. You know what I mean? And so it just, yeah, I think, I think a combination of the, the knock on effect of the other injuries, the lack of depth behind him, so that he's never been able to properly, you know, I know he, I know he sat for whatever it was, a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, you know, recently. But if he's in pain now, I mean, you're in a position where you should be able to to sit this guy for a couple of weeks, let him let him heal. You know, you're not playing in Europe anymore. You've thankfully you've got a 13 point lead in the league with Hitafe coming up. Like you should be able to, he should be able to just get rest. You know, go get acupuncture and just like lay on the couch for a week. But I don't know where he's too relevant. He's too important to the team, but he's also hamstrung by what the team looks like right now. I mean, it's a very, it's a very annoying, it's a very irritating sort of catch 22 type situation. Well, he is still Lewandowski. So he still does yeah. drag and, and get the, and gets the attention of two yeah. center backs. I mean, we saw last year what happened even in Liga when you did not have a focal yeah. point to take all that attention. And the fact that, Dembélé even last year double triple teams and that is a thing that you know again function wise we'll talk about Rafinha how he's constantly facing two players on that side because that that left center back is in a slide over and that does create problems <laughs> for a player who's so left footed but again we'll we'll deal with that on Thursday last two things before we go again I think it'll be a, a quicker show here that VAR goal line Araujo yeah. corner is that a goal did that go over the line. I don't think so. I don't either. <laughs> like I didn't see, I didn't see daylight between the ball and the goalpost. That was the best. I mean, that was the, and and it looked like there was enough of the ball, even if the angle wasn't completely, completely optimal. The one yeah. that we got, it looked like there was enough of the ball, still kind of hidden behind the goalpost. Where, it, I don't think it was. You know, I don't either. But also, Liganese goal line technology. <laughs> like that's, well, that's yeah, that, that, that was what I thought because I know yeah, like, the you know like in in the Premier League that stuff doesn't that doesn't go to VAR because it either yeah it buzzes on the referee's that's wrist right, yeah. or it doesn't so when when they didn't do anything when they just essentially yeah. I didn't realize you know to my own <laughs> my own fault I didn't I just assumed that the that the goal line technology yeah. was at least in the the it's top universal. five leagues in Europe or whatever, I just I thought. thought it was there. Right, because yeah. I thought back to the times I'd used it in video in like video form and found like an image of it, and I was like, yeah. wait a second, that was Champions League, that was World Cup, mm, and yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they do, and we know yeah. we do in the Premier League when I watch those games. So yes, that is to me all that needs to be said about the, the goal line technology, whether that was off, because obviously once Mateo Lahot, who actually had a pretty fine game for his standards yesterday. But again, I think <laughs> Barcelona, unlike like Espanyol or Real Madrid, 
they're not taking a bite out of each other. Like I thought it was a pretty like, yeah. you know, I don't think either team, I mean, Girona also is not playing against relegation and not playing for the Europa league. They were kind of just playing for the win, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they weren't, and they weren't playing like a sort of a blood and guts Catalan Derby sort of situation. Yeah. Like they, they weren't trying to really bring the fight to Barca and Barca yeah. didn't, there didn't seem to be any animosity and, Right. Well, I mean, I joked at one point, there was a point in the second half where, I don't know what it was, it was like a, some sort of, I mean, very minor kind of kerfuffle, and La Jose was in the middle there, and I, I think he might have given someone a yellow card, and he was, you know, Busquets was, ye- you know, kind of, not yelling at him, but they were debating a point, and I was like, oh man, he's he's done he's done letting the game come to him, like it's about to yeah, become yeah. the La Jose show, no, and no. The only to his credit, he he let it just play out. Not a single yellow for a Barcelona player, even Gabi. <laughs> even though even though there was two different images I found with both talking to Gabi, <laughs> so yes, you know that he was born to plenty, but he did not. He never got that yellow. But actually, I felt like Gabi actually was fouled. You know, remember he is the most fouled and done the most fouling in the league of this season, which is pretty yeah. miraculous to do to be on both sides of that. So credit to Gabi, but yesterday was one of those where Gabi's number He's of just times, an action fiend. I love it. He is, yeah. <laughs> the number of times he was fouled went up as opposed to the number of times he fouled that, that one. <laughs> nice. He stayed pretty patient there yesterday. But yeah, back to the VAR. If Lahos he's not gonna call that a goal unless it was like obvious, because mm-hmm. I mean he saw what he saw. And so because it was not clear and obvious, VAR cannot overturn that. So right. once it went, it didn't matter that it went to VAR. Like once it was called not a goal and we saw that first replay, you knew yeah. that it was not going to be overturned. It that wasn't was obviously that. wrong. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So because mm-hmm. it was not going to be overturned, he had to have called that a goal initially. And the irony is if he called that a goal initially and they go that and they take that to VAR, I also still the same way don't think they have enough to overturn it to no yes. goal. I think that yeah. then is a goal. Like that is how close that was. So while you and I both tongue in cheek said we don't think it went over, Again, the same argument is that if he had said it went over, then it would have stayed and it would have been a goal because VAR could have done nothing about it. So the only thing I say that needed to change or be different about that is the the goal line technology should exist in the Liga. And it was almost, yeah, to both of us, a wake up call that that it didn't exist. So Yeah, because I was watching it. I was like, oh, okay. No one's like, no, no one's super freaking out about it. So it must have been the whole like, you know, he must have pointed to his wrist or something as they do in England and... You know, the everyone just kind of shrugged it off and yep. then went about their their evening. But I didn't. Re- yeah, I only subsequently found out that it wasn't that it wasn't a thing. Yeah. So last thing to talk about, real quick here, because again, this probably doesn't matter at all. Arnaud Martinez is likely going to Atletico Madrid, or he's going to yeah. somewhere wherever City Group wants to send him. Like he'll be bought by Man City and then loaned out or sold or whatever it is. But he likely is not coming to Barcelona. That being Arnaud Martinez, there are no reports, there are no links. As a former La Masia player, as someone in Girona. He would be linked. He would probably be already done and dusted with that 20 million euro release clause. So he's not coming to Barcelona. Again, I think Atletico Madrid is the strongest rumor, and I would put some credence behind that. With that 20 million release clause, I again for the I've probably seen him 20 times plus. I had mentioned the five headlines. I've always seen from Pong, and he's probably going to Manchester United, by the way. I've only seen him twice, and he was defensively, I think there were some worrisome signs, but from what I saw again of Arnaud Martinez yesterday, so it was taking from the game in the fall against Barcelona, this game now, and then all the other games in the middle that I've been watching in the Liga. Because again, if it's Real Sociedad, Girona, I've been tuning in. If it's Real Betis, Girona, I've been tuning in. Like there are 
five or six teams in the league that, especially when they play each other, those are the games that I try to tune in where it's like, okay, those are teams that <laughs> thankfully I feel like are doing the Spanish league a good name. I feel like they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're making me proud of saying, Hey, watch that Liga game as opposed to some of the other ones that I don't want to mention. But yesterday being just 19 years old, even if that's who he is at 19, we talk about Gabi the same way. If that's who he is at 19, I can live with that player. And I think that player is worth 20 million euros. And the idea that he can improve, I also think my frustration is that I think if Barca go for him, because of his ability to invert as that pivot from that right back spot, that allows you to play a number of different ways. And I think that solves multiple problems. Because again, you know, we saw those rumors for Amabat popping up this week. But if you, we knew Busquets, and you kind of know that you're probably going to get a very similar Busquets next season as well. Like, it's not like he's going to fix problems, but I also, at the level he is still at for what he does at an elite level, I can't imagine. It's almost like Steph Curry in the NBA. The drop-off might not be that crazy because the skills he has that are elite are not going to drop off that much due to his age. Like he's making mistakes, but those mistakes are going to be mistakes that are going to continue because of his physical level because he's 34 years old or going to be 35. But even then, he still gets an, an amazing number of ball recoveries. It's just, again, the function of what Busquets doesn't do for you. Can you survive with a Messi with a Lewandowski because again, those yeah. things kind of those again. We'll talk about that on Thursday, but those Pistons work together. But it's hard to yeah, it's hard to build yeah. your entire team of that you know with with that. Yeah. But I yeah, but but I, our now point. I, I just yep. I'm thinking about this player and saying, you know, it seems like brain dead, but maybe he doesn't want to return for Barca for some reason. But he's mentioned them in the past as a Kool Aid, so it's just it's confusing to me that I this think one of his teammates even mentioned after the after the game, like in the, I I, yeah, I read some Aaron quote. Like, it's, it's puzzling that those... Someone mentioned that, Rosco, yeah, he'd be a great fit here. One of well, his teammates actually said that. that. Atletico Madrid is going to get him for 20 million euros. We paid yeah. a release clause. And then Barcelona's going to buy Carrasco for 18 mil to deal with their wing issue, which is an issue on the left side. Why would why is that going to happen? Like I, I, like, I have this sinking feeling that that is going to happen. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't why, Barcelona... Like, I don't understand. Maybe there's something in the machinations here that I'm not fully hip to, but... Why would Barca not trigger? If you're going to spend 18 yeah. million, you can scrounge around for the other two, right? And trigger this guy's. Yeah, no, I, I really, I really. what you need. Club, I really think the club is pretty hell bent on because of Christensen and Araujo and Kunde saying Kunde is going to be playing a lot of right back and Araujo is going to play right back on El Clasico or those big games against those right wingers. I mean, those left wingers. And Roberto is the third choice right back. I, I think, and, and Volley can play there too. I think that is what the club is going to go forward with next season. And so again, it's one of those things where the club is choosing to renew Roberto and say, where else do we need to, to, to solve problems? And it seems like the club is saying, Messi is going to solve our problems. Let's put all our faith in Messi. So, I mean, I think in a matter of a few weeks, I went from saying, okay, it's going to be, even if the club can only afford two or three players, they know where their, their places of need are. They know where their positions of need are. And we are barreling into this place where I go, what in the heck are they thinking for this summertime? And I think that's, I think not say that Arna Martinez is like a tipping point, but if he, if he, they sign him on July 7th and they're like, Oh, you know, there were no rumors because we were keeping it quiet, but he had already agreed. Right. One of those things where like they were able to keep that lead quiet and he winds up showing up. I will take a big breath and go, okay, maybe they do Alemani who I've trusted in the past and Croy, maybe they have a vision. Maybe they see and enjoy the same players that I do and they trust in the same players. But if it is, no one is signed and the club is like, well, we don't have any money, but then Messi shockingly comes on August the 8th. And it's like, that's the transfer that's done. And then 
Amarbot comes on a loan or whatever it is from Fiorentina on the last deadline day. It's like, yeah, I mean, it can show you that there is a way with the limited funds that Barcelona have that they can get this transfer window wrong and getting this transfer window wrong it can completely stunt this project and bring you no closer to your goals. And I think not to say you have to get Arnaud Martinez, but I look at the fullback. I, I don't know. I look at the fullback market and 20 million for that kind of player is a deal. Like you have to go for that player. There are, he is in an elite company. I, I I've said it. There's like seven to 12, that kind of caliber, young fullback at the right back position. And you've got to get one of them. It's musical chairs when it comes to that position. And there's only so many guys to go around. Like that's why Barcelona were trying to get Cancelo because there are only so many top level right backs and top level left backs. And thank God Barcelona has one of the top three left back prospects in world football and balding the other side, but you've got to be greedy now and you've got to make sure you got them on both ends and you got to go for it because there's, there is no, and I've said it before, there is no ball day at the right back spot. There was no Gabi at the right back spot in the academy. He's they, That position does not exist for a few more iterations or cycles or generations. Like that player doesn't exist yet unless they go out and find him for at CF Dom for a year or two yeah. or whatever, or they find him in... I mean, I don't think it's Julian Arroyo. Yeah, you pull, a, you pull up Pedri and you, you know... <laughs> exactly. But I don't, you, I don't think hey. that player exists in the academy and I don't think Julian Araujo is that player either. I think he could be a backup at Barcelona someday if he improves, but the early reports are not good on him anyway. But I just think you need a top-level right-back to have... You don't know what happens. You don't know if Koundé and Christensen and, and Araujo... Because you do only have three center-backs. Like, Alonso and Eric Garcia exist, but that's what they do. They exist. The other three are your center-backs for the next few seasons, and they're all great center-backs for the next few seasons. Yes. But you need a right-back who's designated as a right-back especially if one of those center backs go down. Because immediately, for the next five years, if Christensen picks up a knock, then Araujo and Kuna are center back pairing, and now I want to see a right back. Like, yep. that's, that's what should happen, as opposed to throwing on Eric or Alonso or whoever it may be. And Igor Martinez, even, who's going to be 31 yep. next year, and they're getting him for a free transfer, which is fine. But if you're asking me, is it Ana Martinez for 20, or it's, or it's, it's Inigo Martinez for a free transfer, it's like, I, I mean... <laughs> Arna Martinez's wages are not going to break your wage structure. No. I just, I just, I'm worried that Citigroup already has their talons into where he's going next, and that deal's already done, and that's why there are no rumors or anything. But I don't know. I, again, it's just one of those things where very rarely do I put my neck out for this player. You know, I complained mm. about Chuamani for a while there. <laughs> See how that turned out. <laughs> you know, very few players do I do this with, and so I end the show just by being like, okay, Barcelona, here's this kid three hours away from you <laughs> that you know, or by by what you is it? know him, yeah. Yeah, he was like, in your you know him, and he fairly the, let him go. But like, fairly let him go to sure. get else. But he chose to leave. Great. Now he's ready to come back. The so, price tag won't break the right. bank. The wages won't break the bank. He's yeah. young. He's good. You know, and just yeah, I don't know why. Particularly, you know, if the if there's anything to like you mentioned the the Carrasco thing, and I'd much rather wager twenty million euros on Arno Martinez as as your right back of the future. Then try to throw more money at at addressing the wings because presumably, I mean, I know we're not we're not talking Rafinha, but you know there there may be a there may be a reconsideration of uh, of Rafinha come come the end of the season. Uh, I mean, it just right back is such a glaring need for this team. I mean, it's like you said, they have players that can deputize in that spot, and you know they have three excellent center backs who can deputize in that spot but like why why do you want to do that i mean you can if you can get this player then you can just be kind of spectacularly deep at center back 
And suddenly you have, you know, a, a real kind of a, a vaunted defense as, as successful as the defensive unit has been this, this season. I mean, at that point, that really looks like an all around, you know, a well-constructed deep yeah. and kind of scary defensive unit. Well, Cause they haven't been deep in Europe and in no. Madrid. Like they have not mm-hmm. been deep enough. Like one injury has thrown them yeah. in disarray in all of those major competitions. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's the issue. But all right. So that was Girona. That was Barcelona 0-0. I, I can't imagine we have anything more to say about that sneaker of a game. But nope. it's onward. Ten more matches, up by 13 in the table. Again, I don't. there's no jinxes, no nothing. We just mm-hmm. just play it out. And, fortu- and hopefully, unfortunately, you don't rush those players back. But yep. hopefully in a game or two, they're going to be around for the last six, seven matches of the season. You take care of business and you get out with the Liga title and the Spanish Super Cup, which is what this season is. So make sure you can keep following us along as I you know, do our best to get through the slog of the remaining of the season. And it feels silly, but again, embrace the enjoy the, uh, the, the finishing of this Liga title. When the yeah, job the home started. stretch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're Twitter, Instagram. You know where to find us everywhere and all that stuff on social media, YouTube as well. So again, I want to thank so much, everybody, for being on this ride, on this journey, uh, on this adventure. But look out for us on Thursday again. And then thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, Barca. Of course, Barca. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.